It's now time for the Miller Lite Top Draft Show. With Mark Grody. We got time for one more. Mark Grody, go ahead. Unmute, Mark. Here I am. Unmuted. There it is. Space bar. Uh, And Chicago Bears legend, Lance Briggs. Backpedaling as he throws low, and there's a turnover. Off the hands of Driver and into the arms of Briggs. Aaron Rodgers is wondering what the heck happened. Brought to you by Miller Lite. Hold true. Oh, man, this night is is already excellent. And I'm Mark Rohde. It is the the Miller Lite top draft show at the Broken Oar Marina Bar and Grill. I see you guys in Port Barrington. Congratulations on not just being Barrington, but getting a port put before the Barrington. That's excellent. I, did, I didn't know this existed. I live in the city of Chicago. I've been to Barrington, but never to the port. So this is great. And I do see what looks like a Steelers uniform on back there. Am I seeing that right? Uh, no, at your table. That's, is that? Yeah, yeah, right there. Steeler? Oh, that's Western Illinois. Okay. <laughs> I saw the yellow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here, here's why this is great, because I walked in to this wonderful establishment. By the way, th- let me set the scene for you what, what is going on here. I am in a, a large, lovely, well-decorated, heated tent that, that has the, the see-through plastic. And on the outside is this the deluxe and lightly rippling Fox River with a bunch of tables out there. I can't imagine what that's like during the summer just popping, but it's really, it, it's an absolutely gorgeous scene and i walk right up here and there's a huge bears rv and and i don't know maybe they're listening to the score right now and i just hear hey grody what's going on and uh he said they were here for you and briggs so that that was a good start to the day and uh just talked to a gentleman who said to me bears so this is like for me this is a great start i'm gonna be here from six until nine lance briggs Former Chicago Bear, seven-time Pro Bowler, a Hall of Famer, should be, hopefully will be one day. He will be one day. Lance Briggs will be here from 7 o'clock until 9.30 to make that 7 o'clock until 8.30 tonight as Briggs spits out his coffee as he's driving to the locale saying, wait a minute, 9.30. He will be here, Lance Briggs, from 7 o'clock until 8.30 tonight. The Miller Lite Top Draft Show, Broken Bar Marina or make that broken or marina bar and grill in Port Barrington. So I got you for the next hour, just you and I. So I'd love to hear from you. 312-644-6767. I am on Twitter, fully equipped to potentially read your tweets at Mark Grody Sports if you want to do it that way. But the best way to get in here is to call us at 312-644-6767. That is the text number as well. Brandon Fryer is the executive producer of this here show. He is in our downtown Chicago studios for Friday purposes. We will call him Brandon Friday. He is Brandon Friday today. and He is the man to whom you will speak if you would like to call into the score. Rich Wyatt, Quiet Riot, right behind me right now. Make it real easy to be on there. Hey, Rich, sounds great, smooth lovely i like it all the burger you're eating too looked absolutely deluxe i told rich when i came in here like immediately he's sitting there chowing down on a burger got the fries because he's been here for a couple hours with the setup already so he had his dinner i can tell 
a good Chicago burger just just by looking at it. You could tell by the bun and the burger and, and ratios and things like that, and that looked like a damn good burger, so I think I know what I'm going to get a little bit uh, later on here out at uh, the Broken Ore Marina Bar and Grill. So I do have a question for you regarding the Bears and some stuff that I want to get to here in the, in the early going, if I can uh, bring up what I wanted to have here. There it is. Um, my question to you, Bears fans, is... What are you hoping for for the rest of this season? It's probably a more complicated answer than it or question than it seems like right off the top because you know what Bears fans you're kind of in the exact same spot now that you've been in the last couple of years and that is dealing with the dirty part of the season, the bad part of the season. The Bears have lost three straight games and have looked bad in all three. They're all, they're all bad losses. All losses are bad, but these have been particularly bad losses. The, the Bears had a six-game losing streak last year and somehow, someway, still managed to, to claw their way back. It wasn't pretty. Clawed their way back to 500. They get themselves into the postseason, and they're one and done against the Saints. Two years ago, the Bears had a four-game losing streak that ultimately did in their season because there wasn't the extra playoff team, and it was an eight-and-eight eight year. So now here you are in this spot again, and I know from doing shows last year that there were a ton of Bears fans at this time last year or around it that were still very much for the Bears, like get out there, win, get into the playoffs. I remember how excited everybody was when Mitchell Trubisky was making his way back. And it was an interesting run towards the end of the season when the Bears figured out a running game and had Bill Lazor calling plays. And there seemed like there was hope. And then there was, and then there wasn't. So at, at this point, what is it that you are hoping for for the rest of this season? 312-644-6767 is the number. My number one thing here is, and it's nice to watch the Bears win, my number one thing is is Justin Fields. And it goes beyond that, not just like, because everybody wants Justin Fields to develop. Duh, that's, that's a no-brainer, and we want him to be great. Here's specifically, though, what I'd like to see out of Justin Fields, because we talked a lot about Allen Robinson this week and trying to get that chemistry down, trying to make that work. I'm not just talking about Allen Robinson. I would like to see Justin Fields have the chemistry that he has had at times with Darnell Mooney with everybody on this team, not just Mooney, not just Jesse James, but I think even if Allen Robinson's not going to be around after this year, I think it's so important that he learns how to spread the ball around to different positions, whether it's tight end or wide receiver or running back or whomever, and be that kind of versatile quarterback. Also, finally saw it last week. From my eyes, it was the first time where we saw Justin Fields truly use his athleticism and rush for 103 yards. That was the first game where, where we really saw it. There, there had been moments of it, but there was part of me that was like, where is this? Where's the, like, 
He's fast, but he doesn't seem to be using it during the game. He doesn't look fast. Last week, he looked fast in every way, shape, and form, and we all know that from what he was able to accomplish in the game. So what, what are you hoping for for the rest of the season for the Chicago Bears? 312-644-6767 is the number. And luckily, I do have the caller board out here at the bar. So I guess we could start with Rob. Rob, you are on the score. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ken in Schaumburg. My bad, Brandon. Ken, you're on the score. Gertie, how are you, man? Ken, are you in the bar? Ken, I don't see you. Where Are you Ken? No, you're not Ken. Yeah. How you doing, Ken? I'm doing great. Listen, I'll keep it short and sweet. I won't I'll be too drunk on your show. Uh, the question I have is what part does... Will Herbert have on the offense going forward this year and uh, in the following years with uh, Montgomery coming up on the uh, uh, last year of his, his you know. Ken, thanks for the call. It's a great question about Khalil Herbert because he has been, he's been excellent. He's been excellent since David Montgomery went down a few weeks back with his injury. Um, and I asked Matt Nagy that question specifically. Does, does this mean, does David Montgomery still get all of the reps and carries he had been getting despite Khalil Herbert having flourished? And he said, absolutely, yes. He, David Montgomery is still 100% the guy. I think the good news is, though, is that when you do give David Montgomery a, a blow, there, there is, like, make no mistake about it, like, David Montgomery is better than Khalil Herbert right now. I don't want to, like, give the false impression that somehow Herbert should be the starter, but he's been terrific, and when he does get a series off, and who knows, I mean, he, he, they may be taking it easy with David Montgomery against the Steelers, assuming that he is activated, but Khalil Herbert, when he comes in, you're not going to feel that uh-oh or that sense of what are they doing with Khalil Herbert in the backfield. The Bears all of a sudden, I was thinking about this, and, and the horror that the Bears running game had been since 2018. Remember Jordan Howard? Yeah, Jordan Howard back in 2018, and they could not figure out how to run the football this this has been one of the big bugaboos since Matt Nagy got here in 2018 and even when Montgomery got here I asked the question a million times is David Montgomery good because we just hadn't seen it and I, I think that we now know that because there wasn't a commitment to it and schematically it was not going well for for David Montgomery but all of a sudden it did it it popped in the final six games of last season and now you have two really good running backs. And the good thing about Khalil Herbert is, is that you figure, like, he, sometimes this happens with running backs, that when they first come in, they're really good, they're good for a game, and then they kind of turn back into a pumpkin, kind of what they were. And what Khalil Herbert is and was is a sixth-round rookie. So you think, okay, a little bit of magic right there, maybe some really good blocking, which there has been for Khalil Herbert, but then he does it again, and he does it again, and he does it again. And now I can honestly feel like you have a a really good tandem of running backs who would have thought that in the Matt Nagy era that suddenly you have that and I can tell you with my own eyes that by the way I, I don't think David Montgomery will be on any kind of limitation just seeing him out on the practice field and doing a jump cut and a full-out sprint to the end zone no defense against him but just watching him do harsh things with his legs I can tell you he, he's good to go. Let's go to Chris on the north side. Chris, you are on the score with Mark Grody. Hey, Grody. Uh, how you doing, buddy? I love your show. Uh, you're one of the 
better guys on all of 670 to score, so I appreciate getting on with you. Thank you, Chris. What's on your mind, man? Uh, so, yeah, uh, touching on the running back thing, I think we're in a good position right now uh, with to do running back by tandem. I think that's kind of where the league is. Unless you have Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor, I mean, that's kind of where the league is. So I think we don't we don't touch it. We don't need to worry about getting one of them out of there, trading one of them away. I think we got a great tandem. Um, and then a little off topic, actually, it's funny. Uh, I heard you're at the Broken Or. I'm actually, I live in the city now uh, for work, but I'm from right up that way. And it's funny that you're there tonight because uh, you're competing to get an audience because the two teams that that Port Barrington feeds, the two high schools, are actually both 10-0 and 0 and in the playoffs, uh, Sweet 16. So that's probably where a good amount of the crowd might be. So between wow. Wakanda High School at 10-0 and 0 for the first time ever and uh, Cary Grove High School, they're both 10-0 and 0 and in the Sweet 16 for the Sweet State playoffs. So. so there's some badass high school football going down in town tonight too, huh? That, okay, all right, very nice. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. I, I actually miss the high school football scene. That, that's what once upon a time ago in my career when I was working at Central Illinois in Springfield and Lincoln did play-by-play of high school football, high school basketball, and it was a straight-up blast. So good luck to any of the, the Barrington. Is there a Port Barrington team specifically? No, there's no Port. There's Port, but, oh, there is a Port Barrington team? No, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Port Barrington is, is out, outside. It's the Fox Lake or Fox River, right outside, right out here. Uh, 312-644-6767 is the number. I'm Mark Grody. It is the Miller Lite Top Draft Show, Broken Ore Marina Bar and Grill in Port Barrington. Lance Briggs is going to join me in about 45 minutes. He is scheduled to be with me from 7 o'clock until 8.30 tonight. I have tons to get into with him. But right now, I go to Bob in Joliet. Hi, Bob. You're on the score. Hey, Mark. Uh, we've had, we have a little bit of a history. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Bob. Great. Hey, here's what I want to ask you. You picked the uh, Bears over the 49ers. Uh, you picked the uh, Bears over Green Bay. Uh, keep keep announcing your uh, predictions over the air so we can fade you. Um, and uh, what's your response to your uh, two predictions that were wrong? <laughs> okay, Bob. <laughs> Apparently, Bob, you and I have a little bit of history together. Okay, okay, Bob. Um, yeah. So of course, yeah. I was okay. So with with Green Bay. I just thought the Packers were not yet organized, and the Bears had a, had a real chance in that game until Aaron Rodgers did in the Bears at the end. There's no doubt about it. Um, as far as the 49ers were concerned, I don't think San Francisco is, is particularly good, so that's why I thought they might beat the Bears or the Bears might beat the 49ers in that game. But uh, I, hey, Bob. I don't, I don't have to explain myself. Uh, 312-644-6767 is the number. What do you want to see for the Bears for the rest of this season? I do want to play you one cut from today. And today was Coordinator's Day, meaning the offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor, speaks, and the defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, spoke today as well. The Bears' defense was horrid against San Francisco. I don't have to tell you that. 
but I, for the first time this year, well, not, maybe not the first time, really wanted some explanations from Sean Desai. So let me play you this cut from Sean Desai in terms of what happened to the Bears' defense and where it goes from here. Yeah, you know, the biggest concern, there's a couple things. Too many explosive plays. That's not who we want to be, and we want to tackle better, and, and that's part of the effort uh, and the mindset going into that. So th- those are the two big takeaways, and, you know, I would agree with you. It wasn't a good day, and I would take it a step further. Really, we played 11 minutes of bad football in the second half. We gave up nine in the first half, and one of those was uh, the end of ha- and the two-minute end of half uh, off the explosive that we still held them to a field goal, but you don't even give up that explosive, and it's probably another punt. You know, so it's six points there. Uh, the second half, though, not 11 minutes <clears throat> when we were on the field was bad football, and that starts with me. It's going to end with me, you know, uh, and the players know where, where they're accountable and where they can execute better, and uh, like I said, I know where I'm, I'm accountable and I can execute better, and the staff does as well, and we will be better than that. That's that's. That was our, le- our worst 11 minutes of football that we played this year. Ah, I'm so glad he didn't sugarcoat it. There was some sugarcoating along the way, and, and the usual, uh, it starts with me, it ends with me, it's my fault, it's my fault, and not singling out any players. But there are plenty of players to single out from that game, and we'll get into that with Lance Briggs when our actual defensive expert arrives here at about 7 o'clock tonight. But, yeah, that was that's what you needed to hear. That, that was the Bears' worst 11 minutes of football this year coming in the second half against San Francisco. You got that, Bob? It was really bad. Um, all right, we need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to do a quick Bulls segment. We're going to have on Rob Schaefer from NBC Sports Chicago. The Bulls 6-2 and two to start their season. They're really good. So I've got a bunch of questions for Rob in regards to that. Lance Briggs will be here live and in person at 7 o'clock tonight. And I am at the Broken Ore Marina Bar and Grill. It's the Miller Lite Top Draft Show in Port Barrington on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Listen, every game is not going to be smooth sailing. Every game you're going to need to, to, to weather and battle adversity. And I give our guys a lot of credit in that category. They've done it, you know, quite a bit this this year. I think I was still over there at the bank, on, on the bench with them. That, you know, the top by Jamar and by Booch and by Zach's really good. And, you know, listen, there's a lot of ebbs and flows in an NBA game, you know, and maybe nowadays 15 points is not that big of a lead. It changes so quickly. Uh, but I do feel very, very good about all the guys' ability to continue to fight. And I think it speaks, it, it's a great characteristic to have. Uh, I'm just looking at it, not taking that away from, I'm just looking at the perspective of, you know, what we can do better. But I think it's just who those guys are competitive they fight. It's Bulls head coach Billy Donovan right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, I'm Mark Rohde. This is the Miller Lite Top Draft Show, Broken Ore Marina Bar and Grill in Port Barrington. Lance Briggs scheduled to be here at 7 o'clock, and we get him for a full hour and a half, so we will talk so much Bears over the next couple of hours. Going to do a Bulls break here in just a second, but shout out to Darren in the crowd. Just educated me on the many Barringtons that exist, including the one that we're in right now. This is the Port of Barrington. Port Barrington, and it's awesome. Beautiful setup right outside is the the lovely Fox River, and then a great heated, clear tent out here with some awesome burgers slinging about as well. 312-644-6767. Right before we get to Rob, a quick text message. Um, F. Bob Groats. We all make bad picks, but we all don't usually have old grudge bees Take it out on us over the airwaves. Let it go. You've been a stand-up guy. <laughs> no, that's all right, Bob. Bob was playing gotcha. And if Bob's game of gotcha is to tell everybody that their predictions are wrong, 
Um, he's going to have a lot of calls to make. That's all right. <laughs> I should have known when Bob called and said, eh, you and I have a history. I didn't realize I had a, I had a score enemy out there, and uh, now I know. I'll be, hey, I'll be more ready for Bob when he calls. Who knows? Maybe before this show is over. But let's talk some Chicago Bulls. The Bulls, 6-2. and two. They host Philadelphia tomorrow. Let's talk about them Bulls with the guy who covers the Bulls every day of his life. He is Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. What's going on, Rob? How are you, man? I'm good, Grody. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. You surprised at all by the Bulls' 6-2 and two start? Yeah, uh, I'd say a good deal. I mean, obviously we knew that the talent upgrade on this team was real. Uh, we knew they'd be a pretty good offensive team defensively. I had a sense that they'd probably be a little bit better than expected because Billy Donovan's a great defensive coach. They upgraded on the perimeter, but to be top five at this stage of the season and to, you know, have gotten wins over good teams like Utah and Boston and, uh, you know, held in with teams like the Knicks and the Sixers, uh, I think mildly pleasantly surprised to be this close to the top of the Eastern Conference standings at this stage of the season uh, is fair to say, uh, and they've just been getting excellent play from a lot of the guys they brought in this offseason, DeMar DeRozan, first and foremost, but also Alex Caruso. Um, so a little bit surprised. Uh, maybe we shouldn't have been. Um, but now, you know, the expectations slide up for this team. we got to see how they continue to uh, move forward here. It's a tough stretch of schedule ahead, but they've proven that they can handle something like that. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we will get to that schedule here in in just a little bit. The best part about this for me, Rob, is that one thing I was sick of from the Bulls was the the idea of these guys got to learn to play together. And this goes back to, you know, when Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo and Jimmy Butler were trying to figure out. These guys got to they got to play together more. They got to figure it out. They got to figure out what's what. And then we've had nothing but that over the last couple of years. Can Zach Levine and Laurie Markkinen play together? We don't even know because they're never on the court together. And how does this fit with that? One of my fears going into this year is that we were going to continue to hear that. Like, these guys don't know how to play together. They're all like terrific players. And I know that the, it's not the, – the chemistry is not perfect yet – but I am heartened, Rob, by the fact that they do look really, for the most part, they do look very comfortable together. Do you agree with that? Yes. Uh, more, more than you probably would expect from a team that is so overhauled from last year. I mean, Zach, Zach Lee and Kobe White and, and Patrick Williams, uh, who's now unfortunately sidelined, but those are the only kind of three returning players from the beginning of the season last year. Um, so I, I've certainly been encouraged by that. I think the big difference from this year compared to some of the past Bulls teams you talked about is, yes, there's still a question of how these guys are going to fit together. Yes, there are still adjustments that need to be made. I mean, this team thinks highly of itself, so they're still nitpicking um, you know, things that are imperfect even throughout the course of wins. But the difference is the guys that comprise the roster now are a lot more established than some of the younger players that um, were kind of being evaluated and developed uh, over the last few years. Like figuring out how Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are going to play alongside each other or Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic or Nikola Vucevic and Lonzo Ball. Like figuring out the fit between those players is a little bit easier than, you know, between Zach Levine and Larry Markin and Zach Levine and Wendell Carter Jr., just because there's a little bit more of an established nature to the pieces that make up the roster. So, I mean, they're off to a great start. Um, I think offensively in particular, there's a lot of stuff that Billy has talked about wanting to iron out ball movement wise, getting more guys involved. Uh, But, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot easier and it's a lot 
uh, easier to swallow to have those conversations when you're six and two and also to kind of start the narrow than when you're, you know, wallowing under 500 like they have been for the last couple seasons. So, like you said, they've got work to do. They know that um, this team has a high, high regard for itself and they hold themselves to high standards. Uh, but they've certainly given reason to believe that those adjustments are going to be made uh, in a little bit uh, quicker, more effective fashion than they have been in years past. No doubt about it. And, th- and that's why it's worth bringing up that Nikola Vucevic only had four points the other night amongst DeMar DeRozan's 37 and Zach Levine's 27. But even that, um, I'm not worried about. And I always say that because I know how good Vucevic is, how good he has been. And I know that this is like there, there is some figuring out, but I have no concern that they won't figure that out. Are you in the same boat when it comes to Vucevic? And what, and what are you seeing with him that he hasn't gotten as involved as we would like him to be at this point? Yeah, I think a couple of things are going on, and we, we talked to Billy about this after practice today, so I could share a little bit of his insight, too. Obviously, a part of it, I mean, he's at 13.8 points a game, shooting under 40% from the field and under 30% from three. A lot of those are open looks that he's missing. There's variance that comes with that. And I think when you talk about envisioning it, correcting itself, I think that's pretty easy to see. But what Billy and Booch and some of the, you know, his teammates talk about is there's also a little bit of an adjustment to his usage. I mean, the Bulls are obviously playing faster, the posting up less. Booch being used in a little bit more screen and roll than he maybe traditionally has. And he's being used in those two-man actions uh, with different players than he's played with before. He hasn't, doesn't have a wealth of experience doing that with DeMar DeRozan or Lonzo Ball. I mean, even last year, him and Zach Levine only got a handful of games together. So I think there's some kind of adjustments to be ironed out there. But, you know, even if he just starts hitting his open looks and, you know, particularly at the, in the restricted area, he's shooting under 40%, like that's a number that'll correct itself. I think all this stuff starts looking uh, a little bit better. It'll be less of a discussion point. Um, one thing that Billy pointed out today, and particularly in the Philly game, is that some of Vooch's teammates, you know, DeMar, Zach, Lonzo, Caruso, down the line, need to do a better job finding Vooch because for him to take seven shots in a game, that's more concerning than shooting poorly because he does need to be, you know, a premier third scorer in this offense for them to be the team uh, that they want to be. But, you know, again, that's something that this team pledges to adjust to. And like we were talking about earlier, there's reasons to believe that they can. Um, so, no, for a guy who just track record through eight games, I'm not particularly worried. I think it's just a combination of, you know, a little bit of a slow shooting start, some adjustments that are being made to, you know, from him to his new teammates and adjustments from his new teammates to him. Um, so we'll see how that irons itself out. But, you know, I, I just don't see a scenario where Nikola Vucevic is averaging 14 points a game and shooting under 40% from the field for the entire season. I, I, it just doesn't seem plausible to me. And, you know, when he does start to figure it out, I think – there's a shot the Bulls offense can really take off from there. And they've already looked pretty good so far. So, again, we're at a good foundation to be talking about these issues, and we'll see how they go about solving them. Yeah, I foresee him having a huge game soon. And I, I, I like the idea of these, all, these guys all sort of alternating, having big games. That, that's the way I would like to eventually see it, where these guys are just kind of taking turns. That's Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago talking about the Bulls, who host Philadelphia tomorrow right here on the score it's the miller light top draft show broken or marina bar and grill in port barrington lance Briggs going to be with us in about a half an hour from now and be with us until 8 30 so lots of bears talk is coming up what about rob demar Derozan, and zach levine both both clearly have showed 
in through eight games a season that both of those guys want the ball at the end, which I think is excellent. Do you foresee any issues between those two for prowess of, of the basketball, or are they both at the point in their career where winning is the big thing? Uh, I think, you know, if you ask them, they would, they would harp on the winning is the big thing part of that. Well, I think at times down the stretch of games early on, there has been a little your turn, my turn element to it, which can result in stagnation. You know, maybe that's a little bit of a concern. But ultimately, you saw it in the Knicks game. Like, they do have the Bulls this luxury that they haven't had in recent years to run actions late in games where, as an opponent, you're just not really sure who's getting the ball. You have to account for everybody. They ran an option play at the end of that Knicks game where uh, Zach came off a handoff from DeRozan and you had Vucevic spacing to the corner, and it's kind of picked your poison. Um, the Knicks loaded up on Zach. DeMar got a decent look. A mid-range jumper he missed. Sometimes that happens. Uh, but with the shot-making ability that DeRozan has displayed throughout his career, and particularly early in the season, uh, early in the season he's just been outstanding. Um, we all know what Zach Levine can do. I don't think that's an issue to me at all. The Bulls have been uh, a better fourth-quarter team than they've been in any other quarter You know, throughout the early part of the season. Uh, they've closed out good opponents, and they've just executed down the stretch of these games a lot better than they were last year when, you know, as anybody who watched this team last year knows, the amount of games that were just given away or big leads that were blown late. I mean, you lost you lost track of all the ways that they found to lose games at a certain point. So I think that's a good problem to have. Um, there's, you know, just w- with everything offensively, there are kind of adjustments to be worked out in terms of who takes turns when and how guys play off of each other. Uh, but I haven't seen anything that would raise cause for alarm to me in that regard so far. And in fact, I think, you know, having two closers of their caliber, especially DeRozan early in the season, just the way he's been playing, um, I think it's hard to, to poke holes in that. It's, it's uh, about as big a luxury as you can have in the NBA to have two guys that can get their own shot at will um, down the stretch of games. So I think the Bulls are in a good spot there. One of the great surprises this year for the Bulls has been Io DeSumo, who I honestly, if you'd asked me through eight games, I, I probably would have said, you know, when they drafted him in the second round that eh, he probably will, will not get up off the bench in those first eight games. But he's actually played a nice little part. What have you thought about his play? And how, how does, does this continue throughout the season? Or is he a placeholder for Kobe White and other injuries? Yeah, I've, I've been super impressed by Io, especially just watching him in summer league to now, like the development even in that short period of time. I think it's been pretty remarkable. I mean, he gained Billy's trust pretty quickly by being just uber competitive on the defensive end. He fights through screens. Uh, he's, he's really just, uh, you know, a serviceable NBA defensive player um, really, really early on in his career. Uh, Billy talks about his role acceptance offensively and the fact that he's pretty unafraid to, you know, go to the basket, um, take open shots when they present, him, uh, present themselves, play within himself. And he's, you know, he, he's been a contributor here. Now, in terms of how it's going to sustain over the course of the regular season, I think he seems pretty firmly planted in the nine or ten man rotation for now. Uh, but the big thing is going to be when Kobe comes back, you know, that bench kind of off guard spot. Um, I, I can see when Kobe comes back, if he's going to take minutes from anybody, it's, it's going to be Io. So we'll see how it develops from here. But it, it's certainly been a cool early season storyline, not only because of the hometown ties and, uh, you know, the Morgan Park ties and the University of Illinois ties, all that stuff is, is cool. Uh, but also just the fact that a guy who was a second-round pick, a lot of people didn't think should have been a second-round pick, came in from summer league and it was kind of up and down. Just the work that he has evidently pulled in, uh, put in and the way that he's kind of won over 
the Bulls coaching staff and his veteran teammates. I mean, to me, regardless of what his role ends up being for this season, it probably portends well for the Bulls' future, that it seems like they've um, got a guy who is going to be solid and, you know, has already shown that he's a guy that will commit to developing. Um, Getting a a guy like that in a slot like they were picking in, um, I think it's a win. So we'll see how IO season unfolds from here, but all the early signals uh, are certainly positive. Yeah, it's it's so nice. I think the theme of this is it's so nice to see things working. Guys that you you brought in, Demar Derozan. You you draft Io Desumu, another guy for whom it is working, and for the Bulls as well. And this is not this one does not fall in the category of surprise, but that is Alex Caruso. What has he meant to this team? Yeah, I think his his presence, his physicality on the ball and at the point of screens. Uh, and his just ability to get in the passing lanes, generate deflections, generate steals. We know this team is at its best offensively when it's out in transition. And I think Caruso, I mean, I throw Lonzo Ball in there. Um, they're a huge part of how they're able to do that. Uh, so I, I think Caruso has been massive in that regard. A, a subtle thing that maybe doesn't get picked up as much on TV um, is that he's a really, really great communicator defensively too. I mean, he's out on out-of-bounds plays. He's like calling out <laughs> opponent sets and like, uh, you know, organizing guys on the floor, you know, on a possession-to-possession basis. I mean, he's just tremendous. I mean, he's a guy that he's kind of the epitome of the guy that if you look at, you know, his points per game average or his shooting percentages, it's just not going to tell you anything close to the full story of the impact that he's making on games. I mean, from day one, he was in Billy's, you know, kind of trusted closing lineup, which has been uh, a pretty good combination for the Bulls, especially late in games so far this season. Uh, you know, playing obviously as a guard, but defending a lot of fours, defending across uh, a spectrum of positions. So I think for him at that mid-level salary slot, um, he's been absolutely tremendous. Uh, I see him as a big, big time contributor as the Bulls roll on here from a leadership perspective, from, uh, you know, both on and off the court, and also his play, particularly on the defensive end, um, has just been outstanding. Uh, You know, and even – Offensively, I mean, he shot the ball pretty well. And, you know, they, AK and Billy talked a little bit about this in media day that he's kind of an underrated passer and that his IQ kind of shines through. And I think especially on the fast break, he's proven to be a pretty good playmaker too. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Greg, it's just not something we're used to seeing the, you know, moves that a Bulls front office um, makes, like working out and working out so instantly the way that these guys uh, seem to have early in this season. Uh, but it's produced a, a pretty fun product so far. That said, with things working better than we thought they would, better than many of us thought they would, it's so early, eight games in for most teams at this point, give or take a game. Where do you think, does this mean the the, the Bears, the Bulls could stack up better in the Eastern Conference than maybe you originally had thought? Yeah, I thought that they were uh, a top-six team in terms of talent level, and it was just a matter of how it was going to coalesce. I, I thought that from the beginning of the season. But I certainly thought it was in the realm of possibility that they would end up a playing team, and obviously that would be a disappointment. After this start, and like you said, the schedule ahead, I mean, you got Philly again tomorrow, you got Brooklyn, Dallas, Golden State, both L.A. teams, Portland. you got a lot, a lot of high-quality opponents coming up that are going to continue to provide measuring sticks for this team. But given the start, given the defensive identity that they're playing with, given the fact that offensively it doesn't even feel like they're really humming yet and they're still getting by on that end, I feel pretty confident saying that this is, you know, a top five or six team um, in the East 
And, you know, with so much tumult now in a lot of these situations of teams that, you know, we thought coming into the season, the Bulls were going to be assuredly worse than, uh, you know, Philly, Brooklyn, to name a few, uh, Boston, uh, you know, uh, falling off the way that they have to this point early in the season. Um, I think the potential for, you know, top four or five, I mean, obviously they're, they're up there in the stratosphere right now. Um, but I don't know that it's changed my perception of what I think the team's ceiling is or where they're eventually going to end up. But it's definitely increased the confidence uh, with which I would say, yeah, this is a surefire playoff team above the play and fray. Um, I think they've proven that they're a force to be reckoned with uh, in that regard. And now it's just about seeing how it sustains and seeing what that, uh, that ultimate ceiling ends up being. Last thing before I let you go, Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago covering the Bulls, who hosts Philly tomorrow, and that is the head coach, Billy Donovan. It seems to me that the Bulls suddenly have, in a lot of ways, a perfect coach because he has worked well with winners in the past, and I think from what I've seen and heard and read from you guys, he's also a very good teacher. So he's almost like the perfect hybrid for this team. What have you thought about the job that Billy Donovan has done? Yeah, I, I, I think he's done a pretty good job, you know, schematically with rotations and things like that. I think the fact that he landed on that closing lineup with Caruso early on and it's been so effective, like these are all feathers in his cap to this point. Um, and you're seeing, I mean, we, we saw this last year, but now that it's coming with wins, it, you know, you take a little bit more meaning from it. it Billy's just a really, you know, thoughtful coach. He gets lauded as a, as a really good communicator. And I think with a team of guys that is uber-talented, uh, but need to figure out how all the pieces are going to fit next to each other. Um, I think that style uh, and just kind of embracing players for who they are, you hear that a lot, stuff like that. I, I think that's been conducive to success uh, with this group so far. Um, and then obviously Billy, just a, a really technically sound defensive coach. Like there were so many questions about how this team was going to guard this year. And when you talk about, you know, a perfect coach to to take that on, obviously there are a lot of great defensive minded coaches in the NBA uh, but Billy just has a really good track record from his time in Oklahoma City. He clearly came into this season with a game plan and a, uh, you know, clearly envisioned a way for this team to establish the identity that they established to compensate for their lack of size and to leverage for their abundance of athleticism and length on the perimeter. Um, so, you know, it's been high marks for Billy to this point in the season. Uh, obviously last year, you know, with the roster being pretty unchanged, um, I think there were a lot of people that were a little bit antsy um, when this team kind of fell off after the big trade, you know, down the stretch of last season. And, and we'll see how the rest of the season goes. But um, to this point, I think Billy, the, the, like you said, Grody, I think he's proved to be uh, a pretty steady hand uh, on the ship, and uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Rob, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate you doing it on Friday night, brother. Hey, no worries. Always appreciate you having me. Got it. That is Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago, covers the Bulls, who are 6-2. and two, And let's just say this. They're very interesting and not in the train wreck sort of way. You get to watch a team and hope for wins and not development and not chemistry because that's like been the last 10 years of, of Bulls basketball where you've had some exciting moments and some exciting players, but for some reason, team-wise, it hasn't worked out. And now you have guys paying dividends right from the beginning and that's the best part because I, I don't think I could have handled another start to a season or another 50 games worth of oh these guys are learning to play together you know it's just taking off no these, these guys are pros and the chemistry is hitting and I'm not and I know Vucevic 
has not had a great start. He had a poor game shooting the other night. But I am so not worried about Vucevic. Again, he falls into that category of professional. And that, that's how guys like this figured out. And I feel like, too, Zach Levine is like in the perfect place in his career. He, he got to be the guy. Like for the last couple of years, you know, the you know he gets to run up his points and his totals and stuff the box score, and now he can truly follow up his words and be concerned about winning. And then he'll probably get the bundle of cash at the end of the year as well. All right, we got to take a break. Lance Briggs coming up here in 15 minutes. It is the Miller Lite Trop Draft Show at the Broken Arm Arena Bar and Grill in Port Barrington, Illinois. I'm Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. or marina bar and grill in port barrington i'll be here with you until nine o'clock my very special guest lance briggs due to be here at seven o'clock from seven o'clock until 8 30 we will talk about it all with lance briggs when he does arrive here looking forward to it uh you could also squeeze in a phone call if you would like and or text message 312 644 6767 is the number. One of the more amusing moments I thought this week at Hallis Hall for the Bears who play the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football was, and check out the reaction from, from Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach, when he was asked about the great T.J. Watt. Okay, we, we don't have that. Apparently, we're having some technical difficulties out here. But here's the dealio. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're, they're a 4-3 and three team. They lost three in a row, and they have recently won three in a row. Despite, some, despite a very strong defensive line, and obviously led by T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward, and some, some names that you know on that defense, and Devin Bush and Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, some big name guys, and typically the Steelers tend to be like the Bears, as in really good defense, really good running team. But they, the Pittsburgh has, has not been great this season as far as the, the defense is concerned, at least not dominant in that regard. And neither of these offenses, the, the Bears nor the Pittsburgh Steelers, have been very fruitful. So this could, in other words, this could be another bang it out game, sort of like the San Francisco 49ers. I do give the edge to the Pittsburgh Steelers at this point because they usually hit a spot during the season where they take off no matter what their struggles have been for the beginning of of the year. So I will give the Steelers a little bit of edge. But really, when you go through the matchups for the Bears and Steelers, uh, to me, it's it's pretty even. And, you know, right now the Pittsburgh offense, 26th in points, 24th in yards. The Steelers offense also 28th in rushing and 16th in passing right now. So they are not 
knocking defenses over at this point. And oh my God, do the Bears need a rebound from last week and really from some of the, the jarring things that have been happening all year for the Bears defense with the with some of the explosive plays. All right, Brandon Friday, do we have Mr. Matt Nagy and his reaction when asked about TJ Watt? Let's roll it. Oh, he's, um, he's a game changer. I mean, he is, he's special now. He's all over the place. He's smart. He, he can beat you with different moves, um, speed to power. Uh, he can, you know, bull rush you. He'll, he'll be all over the place, different spots on the D-line, and he goes after the football. He ta- when, he, when he tackles, he tackles the football. When you're in the pocket, you better have ball security because he's going after that football. You look at the Seattle game, right, in overtime. You look at several games throughout the year, but uh, there's a reason why they took care of him. And uh, he's, you know, again, you, you, you talk to guys like Jesse who have been there, James, have been there, and you, you get to feedback on who some of these guys are and how they work, and he's a hard worker that cares. A lot of help. I mean, they have to. They can't just leave him out on an island. Um, and I got to tell you, I mean, Sam Mostafer going to have his hands full as well as he'll be going up against Cam Hayward. Um, and so there, there are some matchups to watch that will be fascinating for the Bears. But, you know, they, they cannot at this point afford to lose a fourth straight game. And I don't care what the, the Bears endured over the last couple of years, the six-game losing streak last year, getting into the – postseason and then two years ago and then the four game losing streak and then ended up at 500 if they're not already in big trouble man that would hurt badly to lose going into your bye where you have the entire week off and the entire week to think about that and then how motivated are the players going to be when they get back and the baltimore ravens are just sitting right there for the the Chicago Bears, so it'll be very interesting to see how it uh, how it goes down. And yeah, I, I I will say this, and every single player, like every single defensive player that we talked to this week, tons of respect for Ben Roethlisberger. You know that they respect the player when every time Ben Roethlisberger was asked about, they referred to him as Big Ben. So and and he and no player wants to say it, no player wants to talk about it, but. He's not like he's kind of half the player that he used to be, but of course, and and now they're using words like like I never thought I would hear the word crafty associated with Ben Roethlisberger, the crafty, crusty old veteran who finds a way to get it done. And it's not like he's ever like been the most fluid and pretty player to watch. Um, probably just because of his size, like you just naturally look a little bit more clunky. But yeah, he he's not the same guy. But they do heavy, heavy respect. For him, obviously the same deal for Najee Harris. So plenty for the Bears defense to be concerned with. But I do, if the if the Bears go into this game with the right in the right state of mind and they are fully motivated and all of that, this this is a game where the Bears defense could could get well. But you know the Steelers have been on a roll lately as well. This is the Miller Lite Top Draft Show at the Broken Ore Marina Bar and Grill in Port Barrington. And after a break, we are hoping to have one Lance Briggs out here at the table scheduled to be with us from 7 o'clock until 8.30 right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.